Today on the Zabecast, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. It's a tale of woe bowl. Not real football, but hey, it's something and it's not nothing. XFL is back, maybe. Vince's last stand with $100 million at stake. Andy Poland car side in front of Q-Double. We'll talk about a slew of things, including the Bob Costas-Howard Cosell connection as conscientious sports objectors. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Happy Pro Bowl weekend, one and all. Enjoy the patty cake game this Sunday in which a portion of the 125 or so players who are voted, internet voted, handpicked, replacement nabbed, or otherwise told, get in there and play some football, will actually run around and maybe tackle somebody. January 26, 2018. Welcome to the Zabecast. Thank you for joining me. Next week, starting Wednesday, I'll be broadcasting from so-called Radio Row in Minneapolis. I know. I know. Radio Row for Super Bowl LII between the Eagles and the Patriots. I know you groaned out there because as sports radio listeners, you have come to loathe. Many of you have told me this, and I don't disagree. You have come to loathe this tradition of every radio show in America, national show and local show, going to the Super Bowl, broadcasting together in a giant convention hall where there's a lot of ambient noise and a lot of yak, 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 yak in the background, and bringing on an endless stream of really not that compelling guests to not only say very little of interest about the game, or football in general, but then to pitch their products shamelessly as part of the deal of, well, you did get Jerome Bettis, so he's going to talk to you about this new EpiPen that a company has endorsed for him, or that he's endorsing because he's a diabetic or something like that. That has been Radio Row over the years. I've got a bit of good news, I think, for those that dread next week, uh, especially my listeners on ESPN 980. Number one is I won't be there till Wednesday, so it's not the whole week. Used to be you'd show up Monday, first thing, Monday. We're broadcasting Monday from Radio Row, Super Bowl. It's a big event. Crickets, crickets, crickets. No one's here. It's Monday. It's too early. Then Tuesday it'd start to pick up, then Wednesday. And then by the time you got to the weekend, it was better. Won't be until Wednesday, number one. And number two, I think this is going to be the lightest attended Super Bowl radio row ever. Or not, yeah, probably ever. Well, not ever. Be the largest, it'd be the lightest attended Super Bowl radio row since the peak of this phenomenon. Sometime, I'm guessing, in the early 2000s would be when this thing peaked. I see, I hear more and more stations and more and more entities that are saying pass on this one. Flights to Minneapolis are expensive and limited. They're not as easy as perhaps, they're not as easy or cheap as I thought they would be, but I'm not paying, my station's paying, so what do I care? But for those making these kind of cost-conscious decisions, they're probably saying, that's a bit much. Hotel rooms are always famously marked up to the moon, and then some. And a lot of stations just say it's not worth it. What I'm shocked is that major entities like Fox Sports 1 not sending their show ponies, not sending Colin Cowherd, not sending Whitlock, not sending Skippy Boy. That's interesting to me. I know that someone that I know works there said because it's not a Fox Super Bowl, they're not going to send their Fox products. Okay, I can kind of understand that, but still, used to be a mandatory all hands on deck. They're opting out of it. WIP, the longtime sports radio station in Philadelphia, not sending a handful of shows, not sending every show. I think uh, there's a midday show uh, that is not going to go to the game itself, not going to go to Radio Row, which to me is shocking. I would have thought that for the two cities that are in on the Super Bowl, they would send all their 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shows and maybe even a nighttime show to Radio Row for the week to be there for the lead-up to the big game. But even they are saying, nah, we're not going to send everybody. So 
that'll be next week, and I look forward to seeing Church up there, our buddy. I've never been to Minnesota, never stayed there. I'm going to bring a light windbreaker. That should be enough. Other, what's that? You say a little more cold than that? Okay. All right, a medium coat ought to do the trick, and, and maybe a sweater vest for this time. What's that? Colder? Long underwear? <laughs> mittens? Gloves on top of mittens? Liners inside the mittens on top of the gloves? Okay, I will bundle up and be ready to go. As we said yesterday, the XFL is coming back. XFL 2, but they're not going to call it XFL 2. It just looks like the XFL. In fact, they unveiled the logo, which looks similar to the original XFL logo. Vince McMahon yesterday in his press conference saying that this was going to be a fast-moving, family-friendly football league. So the gimmicks and the stuff that he tried the first time around, no. Also, he's going to give himself time to ramp this thing up. We're talking two years until the first game. Before, it was something like in terms of months, three to four months between the draft and when they started playing football. And so that's going to probably be a smarter thing to get their ducks in a row. He's not partnering with anybody on this. It's his entire $100 million that he's going to use and lose or use and thrive with. Many people wondering, why would he, doesn't he know this is going to fail? Why would you throw away $100 million? The answer is simple. He has many more hundred millions of dollars behind that, and he's 75 years old or thereabouts. Not going to live forever. Wants to do something, wants to leave a legacy, and I think is haunted by certain mistakes the first time around with the XFL that he does not want to repeat. He said as much yesterday in his presser. He said, I wanted to do this again from the moment the old league folded. Those who are big wrestleheads, I know, and have followed Vince McMahon, have pointed out that basically nothing he does, except for wrestling, nothing he does, succeeds. And they've listed all these failures of different ventures he tried to spin off of his wrestling empire. And those are all fair points. But any entrepreneur, any businessman, has plenty of failures in his or her closet, or perhaps out in the open, that goes along with the one or two big hits along the way. Such is the nature of being an entrepreneur, right? He also says that this is not going to be a league that throws caution to the wind or safety to the wind. They're going to make it a safe league. They're not going to let people jack players up with hits to the head and that kind of stuff. Many fans thought, ooh, the XFL's coming back. No more defenseless receiver rules. Not sure if there will be such a rule in Vince's league, but basically he said right away, no, we're not going to make this a death wish type of league. The two hours is intriguing. I love it. I think that's a good target. I don't think they'll reach two hours flat for length of game, but I like it as a target. If it ends up being 220, that's a great thing. Three hours is pushing the limit of people's attention span these days. Oh, you can't sit for a three-hour football game? Oh, no, I can, especially with my team. But it doesn't make any sense if you're a league these days to be completely oblivious to the fact that we are moving in a faster-paced world. Yeah, when are you going to get to Andy? Because I'm tired of this preamble today. I'll get to Andy Paul and our guest today in just a second. Two hours means... Hell no, there ain't going to be no replay, which is good because you don't need to review plays in a 10-8-team, 10-week league of bridge guys that are not quite in the NFL and are just out of college. And he said that it's going to be family-friendly. And the big thing was that if you have a criminal record, you're not welcome in Vince McMahon's league. Eh, I think that might be a bit strict. I'd go with the Spurrier notion of, well, not in jail, is he? If Spurrier says he's not in jail, then you know what? I would let him play in the XFL. Who's going to be in this league? Anyone that says, well, you're not going to get a player out of college who'd choose the XFL over the NFL. Oh, no, no. No no one's thinking that. They're not. I don't think they're even pretending that they would compete for frontline NFL caliber players. I think what Vince wants to do is he wants to scrape off the 
roster spots 54 through 70 that don't exist in the NFL, guys who are on the fringe, and cobble them together into a league and say, here, go play football. And it could be beneficial for the NFL in this regard. You could see guys that are in that space, that not quite good enough to be on a 53-man roster, not on a practice squad, but still can play a little bit, play actual football for 10 weeks from the end of the Super Bowl until early summer. Might be good for the league. NFL itself did not comment on the announcement yesterday. I don't think they're thrilled by it. It's not good for the NFL's business. The NFL did move recently in the last five years to own the offseason by stretching things out, by pushing the draft into May. There is talk of the NFL wants to own every single month all the way through the offseason right back up to win football begins again it's hard come june july but august is training camp so and they actually crafted logos a suite of logos that were a unified suite of logos for all their off-season stuff such as the pro bowl and the combine and the draft and everything else so this would cut into the nfl's ownership so-called ownership of every month in the off-season despite the fact that football is not being played There could be some residual effect the NFL has on the NFL in terms of innovations, things that the NFL sees them doing the second time around and says, yeah, you know what, it's a pretty good idea. I think we'll try that. The first time around, the XFL did help pioneer some innovations around the NFL and their stadiums. I think some of the pyrotechnics now you see at every stadium in the NFL, I think that was an XFL innovation. I think the spider cam was first used in the XFL, so there's that as well. So we'll see. The one rule change, and you can't get too goofy with the rules because then it quickly becomes not football. The one rule change I would make is extra points will be the regular extra point distance, a chip shot of a a mere 20 yards, but it would be required to be kicked by a player who was on the field when the touchdown was scored. Now, that could get fun and interesting, don't you think? A defense scores a pick six touchdown. Oh, that's great, but uh, boy, who's going to kick the extra point? On offense, I'd imagine a quarterback or a wide receiver or someone with modest athletic ability could say, I can punch through an extra point from 20 yards. It's not that hard. But until you see it happen on a every touchdown basis, you you, you don't know. All right, we're out here inside the old Q-Doba. It's the car cast with me and Andy. Andy, I want you to be on the lookout for any cops that may, because now this is the third week in a row you and I have met outside the Q-Doba. Yeah. And yeah. just two grown men sitting in a car <laughs> yeah. with equipment. Yes, but I've kept my head at windshield level so that <laughs> anybody. <laughs> Unlike Johnny Cakes yeah. and the Sopranos. Yeah, right. Not Johnny Cakes. No, not Johnny Cakes. The, oh, oh, what was his yeah. name? The fat guy yeah. who lost a lot of weight. The best line from that was when Paulie goes, Hey, look! It was it was it was the gay guy yeah. next to not big pussy, but uh, Bobby Bacala. Yeah, and he goes, "Hey, it looks like a photo before and way before." <laughs> <laughs> they did not veto. Like that. Wasn't it veto? Yes, veto. Veto. Yes, yes it was veto. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Andy, I next week I'm going to be going to the annual Fuller Brush Salesman Convention, known. As Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Are you going to miss it this year? Well, I haven't gone in a few years. and uh, Do you miss it at all? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, the last one I went to was in New Orleans, uh, which was the Ravens. Um, oh, the night the lights went out in yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the Harbaugh. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the okay. Harbaugh. Yeah, in fact, I ran into uh, their father, uh, Jack Harbaugh, going to the bathroom. And he and I had a nice long chat. We Did he? Did he go sitting down? No, no, no. He was <laughs> he was not in the bathroom. He was oh, headed either headed back from the bathroom or I was going to the bathroom, one or the other, but my bladder held up long enough for us to have a really nice conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, knowing you, you would have interviewed a guy in the bathroom. No, I didn't do that. Uh, I told you the Mar- we had the Marv Levy conversation, right? Yeah. 
You met Marv Levy? Well, it was at uh, my cousin's son's bar mitzvah in Chicago, and we stand up. You always stand up when they take the Torah out of the ark. Respect. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I turn around, and who is standing up a couple a rows? four-time by- Super Bowl coach, Marv Levy of right. the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk to him, and then uh, he, I see him in the bathroom in the next urinal next to me. Now, that's not a good time to make an introduction. <laughs> and so, uh, so then, for whatever reason, after he finished uh, working on number one, I guess he had to do a number two. So he went into he went a, from urinal to stall to stall. Yeah. Did which, you talk to him at all? No, in there? no, I did okay. not. I, no, that's the point. So, you can't, so wait. Okay, urinal etiquette. You're telling me somebody famous you can't pull up to a urinal next to him, and just with a sideways, forty-five degree angle glance, say, "Hey, coach." How you doing these days? No, because, you don't do that. Well, an introduction to me is always followed by a handshake. And if he's been handling his schmeckle, I'm not so <laughs> sure that he and I should be shaking hands. You don't think there's a there's a bro code of, hey, coach, what's up, as you're pissing. And then don't make eye no. contact, but just go about your business. No, no. So, I, okay. I, so now I, I'm waiting outside the bathroom. And now it appears that I'm stalking uh, Marv Levy. Why were you waiting? Because I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to introduce myself to him. And you were going to shake his hand. Yes. What if he hadn't washed his hands? Well, I took that chance. After touching his schmeckle. Well, so some of us, like me, does not do that. Yeah, but then he went into a number two. Oh, well, yeah, okay. So I'm assuming. wash after twos. Yeah, I'm assuming. After ones, though, I usually don't wash. Uh, That's not good. Well, but here's the thing. I think that my clean schmeckle (laughs) that has been in my clean underwear, if I'm tweezering it with my clean fingers, Yeah. That will be cleaner than me washing my hands and then touching the towel dispenser and touching the door. But what if you had a little drippage? I don't drip. Well, I'm not your age, my friend. Well, yeah. I, I'm not in the dripping age. Well, these you're days. getting there. You'll be there soon <laughs> enough. <laughs> and so, anyway, we, we had a nice conversation outside the uh, outside the door, and and uh, I told him that what he did, I respected as much as anything I'd ever seen in sports. I mean, think of the devastation. What he did, meaning going to the Super Bowl well, not four just, straight times yeah. and losing. It, but yeah, but each time you lose, to pick yourself up off the carpet and come back. He was getting paid to do that, you know. I understand that. He had a good team, you know. He had a good team, but you've got to be able to get... Do you remember how devastating it was when the Redskins lost to the Raiders in that Super Bowl? I do. I was a teenager. I cried. It was awful. Yeah, it was devastating. They... They were talking about coming back the next year, but they got knocked off in the first round of the playoffs by Chicago. So, Speaking of meeting guys at the urinal, once upon a time, I met Bill Raftery in the bathroom at the, uh, well, Capitol Center it was at the time. Mm -hmm. And I did say something to him. I didn't try to shake his hand fresh off his schmeckle shaking. But he was really cool and great. And did you know that 30 years ago to this very day, it was Bill Raftery's greatest moment when he said, send it in, Jerome, on the Jerome Lane backboard smashing dunk for the University of Pittsburgh 30 years ago today. I remember watching that in my house in Flushing. I, I, I remember that very, very well. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. And to, to think that all these years later, that's become his signature phrase and here's send a, it in, Jerome. Well, that and man to man. Yeah, but but send it in, Jerome. I bet in airports more people say that more than anything else, Dan. Probably send it in, so. Jerome. And most of the time when a guy has a signature call, it's for a championship game. This sure. was just a run-of-the-mill regular season Big East game. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of announcers while we're on it, yesterday on the Zabecast, I played back the final call of the 0-2 Super Bowl, the Super Bowl 36, the one the Patriots won against the Rams. Yeah, I was there. Pat Summerall's last Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the call is so subdued, so dead monotone, that somebody emailed me the clip who wasn't old enough to remember. Right. And he's like, who shot Pat Summerall's <laughs> dog to make him do a call this terrible? And I had to explain, hey, that was his move, yeah. the understated move. But it doesn't seem, it seems out of place now. Well, that was not their finest moment because, as you remember, John Madden... Said, take a knee. Take a knee. I right. talked don't about let, it Don't I talked let about this it kid yesterday. do it. Yeah, don't let this kid screw it up here. They said, yeah, just don't, just go into overtime, which is yeah. the dumbest advice ever. Yeah. Uh, do you know how much time was left when he said, take a knee? I think a minute and a half, maybe. Minute 32. Yeah. 
a minute 32. They didn't even have to go for a touchdown. They just had to go for yeah. a field goal, 40 yards only indoors to get a good look at a field goal. And John Madden, the great coach, is saying, no, nah, don't do anything radical here. Yeah. yeah, indoors with a kicker who'd made two of the Money. biggest clutch kicks in history in the right. snow two weeks earlier. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, yeah, 30 years ago today. Mm -hmm. So Andy Poland does Andy Poland's DC Podcast. Yeah. It's available wherever podcasts are distributed. A new right. season uh, begins in just a little bit. You're going to interview one Mel Kuyper Jr.? Yeah. Right. And when is that due to come out? Uh, it's the Wednesday after, so it's it's the week after the Super Bowl, so I guess somewhere around the 11th, 12th, something like that in February. Okay, and this will be Mel announcing his retirement on your podcast. Well, I, I, I know about that. Oh. I've, done my, I've done my research. <laughs> Here we go. I've For done... those that don't know, Mel Kuyper Jr. said eight years ago, if Jimmy Clausen is not a great pro, I'll retire, that's it, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he did say that, and I will ask him about that. I would assume he's going to hedge a little bit on that. You think? Uh, but, you know, look, it, at the time, it seemed to him that Jimmy Clausen was going to be a great pro. I think I think over the years, Mel has probably fallen in love with Notre Dame a little bit more than he should have. Yeah, but the real story, and I hope I'm not telling tales out of school on this, Mel was best man in the agent for Jimmy Clausen's oh, yeah, wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's some of that, too. Yeah, he's, and he's been criticized over the years for his relationship. He, he was close there, and, and Mel has been close, to, was close to Vinny. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. When he was here in D.C., yeah. so Vinny would feed him stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, Mel Kuyper Jr. <laughs> oh, I remember doing doing shows here. I was doing weekend shows with Mel Kuyper Jr. in the now long-departed <laughs> ESPN, ESPN zone, zone in Baltimore. Yeah, and, and here's the... Head of player personnel for the Redskins. Calling Mel? No, no, no. Uh, visiting? Showing up and, and sitting with us for a couple of hours. Wow. And, and I'm thinking to myself, these couple of hours could be used for doing something. scouting players right. or doing research. or Meeting no, with area no, scouts. He, he just went, hey, hey, we're having crab cakes, Mel. <laughs> he just didn't care. Yeah. And speaking of player personnel directors this week, the Redskins VP of player personnel, Doug Williams, mm -hmm. said something <laughs> that is going to live in Redskin lore for some time. Doug said the draft sometimes is kind of like a crap shoot. Yeah. Not the best choice of words, right? No, no. It, it would seem to me that after months and months of preparation for this, it's not something like you close your eyes and throw a dart at the board and see what quarterback it hits. Right. Now, there is some element of unknowability and randomness in sure. the draft, but you shouldn't be saying that, no. should you? And you shouldn't be phrasing it that way because it's a double-edged sword. One, if your current draft class sucks... Then people go, well, he pointed out he's no good at it. Mm -hmm. And if they get somebody good, then the critics go, well, they got lucky because yeah. he admitted it's a crap shoot. Do you think that he has control of the draft board? No, not in the least. I think, I think Doug Williams is a what we call a wizened voice mm -hmm. in the personnel discussions. But I think it's one of these group kind of things. And if there's a real standoff, then Bruce would decide the standoff. Right. And if that standoff can't be resolved, goes to the big fellow with the belt buckle and the Learjet. Right. Right? I think. Do you, do you think that Baker Mayfield, if he comes to the Redskins, will be successful? Oh, my God. We've already zoomed past whether he's going to be a Redskin, too. Do you think he'll be successful? Well, I, I think I think it's, it sounds like, I mean, if he's there at 13, which which many doubt he will be, uh, they're going to take him. If not, they may want to take him. But to me, if he winds up here, he's Johnny Manziel. If he winds up anywhere else but Cleveland, he's Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a bag of shit. I think he is Manziel, too. I think it's too easy to brush over, well, he got arrested yeah. running from the cops and yeah, he's over-exuberant, planting the flag. To me, he looks like the same guy. Fifth-year senior grabbing his crotch at Kansas. Kansas. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, he was he was sticking it to those Jayhawks who have won two games in conference well, in like four years. The, the, the Jayhawks, they come out for the pregame handshake, and they don't shake his hand. Oh, I'm going to get back at him by by waving my, my junk at him. Oh, great. So your instinct is he's a douchebag. I would not touch him with when, a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I may be proven wrong about the height. I think height is, is still a concern. He measured at 6 foot and 3 eighths. Okay. Is but, that high? Is that tall enough for you? I don't know. I mean, look, again. How do you, how do you like your, your quarterbacks to be, Andy? I like them. Give me uh, your best Ken well, Beatrice. Look, 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 when you watch Brady, 
Brady stands in there like the Statue of Liberty, upright. People can be falling down around him, and he's just standing upright, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he throws. These little guys who run all over the place, I don't know. I also think that Everyone uses Wilson and Breeze as, see, they can be small, but yeah. they're kind of the exceptions that yeah, prove they are, the rule. Yeah, they, they are the exceptions, and with what's happened with Carson Wentz, everybody's now fallen in love with that prototype much like the reason, one of the big reasons that the Redskins wound up with RG3 is because Cam Newton had been successful the year before. And so everybody follows that trend. And now they're, they're looking for the next Carson Wentz. So you got to get a big guy. So Josh Allen is the new, ooh, Wentz-like. we got to get a Wentz-like guy. Who knows? My hunch is, and I wrote about this on Zabe.com, my hunch is that Denver's going to sign Kirk after a trade with the Redskins. Skins will tag him and then trade him. And then the Redskins will use some of those assets in that trade to move up to get Baker Mayfield because I do think a player like Mayfield is catnip to Danny and the Redskins, and I think they're going to fall in love with him. What do you What do you think of that? You buy that hunch? Uh, yeah, I think that's possible. Possible. I think that's. How about what would this? be your prediction right now? Why don't you get on record as to your prediction regarding Kirk and then after Kirk? So that if you're right, you're going to look really smart on January 25th. There will be, and I, I don't really know who it's going to be. I can't tell you what quarterback, but one of the sexy names that's being thrown out here. I'd love to see Josh Rosen here because we can put him in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. But, <laughs> before but, he throws a single pass. Doesn't matter. Before, before, before like Obama getting a Nobel Prize his first month in office. Before he's had a chance to throw his first pick. Put him in. Put him in. <laughs> um, Put him in before he sucks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna, before he embarrasses us Jews. And I think Kirk will be gone. I don't. I don't know. Sign and trade, maybe whatever. But he's he's. But the, not gone, here. the gone percentage is what? Oh, 80, 100? Close okay. to as close to one hundred as okay. you can get. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I, I can't imagine he's going to come back here. Yeah. And, and it does. Doesn't it appear to you that he's done with them and they're done with him? Yes, yeah. I think that's... They're worn out. Both sides have had enough. They, 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 they've, they've had enough. Sleeping in different rooms. Yeah, exactly. When, when they sit down at the table to eat dinner, there's nothing but the clinking of forks on silver on plates. Plus! That's it. There, <laughs> clink, clink, clink. there are no kids to keep together here. No, they're really they're are. Just, they're they're just going to leave. That's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Bob Costas, not, in, not on the coverage for NBC, and said afterwards he was fine with it because... He's lost his feeling for the game of football. Yeah, well, this idea that, and maybe I'm too old and I don't understand this, but that Liam McHugh is is a good substitute for Bob freaking Costas. I mean, he has been the face of that network for 30 years. Yeah, but if he hates football, which he apparently does now, and thinks it's evil and is so woke about it, you don't want him on that coverage, do you? Well, maybe not. And and, And what's he going to do anyway? Well, I don't know. He's going to watch the game. They're going to have a bunch of pregame features. Who cares? It it doesn't. Look, it's not going to affect any viewership. It's just symbolic that 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 guy is not going to be participating in the number one sporting event of the year, which only comes to that network, what, once every four years? True. Right. Yeah, they rotate. They rotate, yeah. Fox, CBS, NBC, and then back again. Yeah. So four years. Yeah. Well, what do you make of his stance, though? I mean, don't well, you make it to be a bit of a luxury stance that yeah. now he's 65, yeah. his career's winding down, he's got all the money he needs, mm-hmm. and he has the ability to go, I think football's terrible. It wrecks people's brains, right. so I'm not going to participate in this. Yeah. Well, that, a little I, bit douchey. I, I didn't think Costas was that douchey. That, but oh, oh yeah. Well, he's a baseball guy. You know, he's he's. I, I know. He's got he, the Mickey Mantle card yeah, in his baseball hat. That, right. You know, he loves that game. He's always loved baseball. Baseball's been his thing. But he took football assignments for years. Yes, he did well because he was the number one guy at the network. And also, it's like quarterbacks; they don't like to give the backup snaps. You You're know? right. And and when he was ready to give it to Tariko, the Olympics, that's fine. But if Tariko would have come along 15 years earlier, yeah, might have been some problems. There. You would have been knifing Tariko's car tires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these network jobs, you got to defend those Who at knows? all costs. I mean, he, you know, he's. I remember when Costas was doing the NFL Today. Or no, what was NBC's pregame show? Yeah, that was, was it. No, the NFL Today was with CBS. CBS. Um, yeah. Whatever but, the NBC's yeah. pregame show was, it was Costas and Pete Axtell. Yeah. May he rest right, in peace. Right, right, right. And uh, who else was? Oh, on they that had show? Frank DeFord did stuff for them. They okay. were they were like the intelligent one. And, uh, Versus CBS and Brent Musburger? Well, CBS, they were trotting out Phyllis George. She didn't know anything. I mean, she she, <laughs> she knew how to be hot. Yeah, she knew how to be hot. And Jane Kennedy. Jane Kennedy in her day, 
She was very nice. Oh yes, but she know she knew less than Phyllis. And do you remember, do you know about the famous fight between Brent and uh, and Jimmy the Greek in a bar? No. It was over Phyllis. Yeah. The NFL and NBC. NFL. Okay. Was that what it was? That uh, sounds right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, oh, Len Berman as well was yeah. on that. Gumble didn't he do it? for some period of time. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Wikipedia, on-air staff. Come on, Wikipedia on my phone here. Okay, well, anyway, so someone mentioned to me that this Costa stance about football mm-hmm. is not entirely unlike when Howard Cosell finally decided, Andy, I cannot be party to this advertisement for legalized brutality well, known as boxing. It was Larry Holmes versus Randall Tex Cobb. Mm-hmm. I actually met Randall Tex Cobb and sat ringside for one of his fights in San Antonio. Was he a nice fellow? Uh, yes, very nice fellow. Did some acting, was in a couple of movies. But I'm telling you, the sound of glove hitting Tex Cobb's head Face. is, over is, is, is like dropping a watermelon. Again. That that sound, boom. So That uh, fight, by the way, is one of the fight I do remember. And Yeah, network it was, TV. It was network TV, and it really was a case of, here's this country boy oak tree who could not be felled no matter how many times yeah. he got punched in the face. One of the most steel-jawed boxers yeah. ever, but his face got rearranged because he wasn't a very good boxer, but he just wouldn't go down. Yeah, there, he had a guy. It's, it's a, there have been guys like that over the years. George Shavalo was one who was like that. Um, Chuck Wepner, who who fam- Bayonne bleeder, who inspired Rocky, Rocky, yeah, by going 15 rounds with Ali. But he was like, and so then Cosell sitting ringside, and he said, "This is the last professional fight I will be working because it is an ad, it is an advertisement for the abolition of the sport itself." And did he really get out of uh, a boxing uh, after that? That was '82, late '82. He did the Olympic boxing '84. And that was, and that his, was it. That was well. No, he was that a vanity opinion, or did he really sour on boxing? He was he was soured on everything. I mean, <laughs> he he had worn himself out with everybody, and and a bad guy, right? Uh, you know, I, it's I other people, right? I don't know. I didn't know him. Oh, you didn't know him, but okay. but I understand he was, and he was very he was very insecure, and he this this pompous act that he would do. They I read his biography. They they said that I like, never played the game. He, no, that was oh. his autobiography. There was a biography that was done several years ago, and and he was a, a lawyer who wanted to do this. He he, he his right. his father wanted him to do this. so. He used to ride the train into Manhattan from where he lived in, in Jersey, Long Island, whatever it was, and he would ride in. And in those days, off season football players had jobs. They worked in the city, and often he would ride the train in with Frank Gifford. And so Cosell would be sitting in a car, and Gifford could be two or three rows up, and he'd go, look at the golden boy there. There's Frank Gifford, number 16, New York Giants. And he would do it in the car (laughs) 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 while other passengers were there. And was Gifford looking to jump out of the train while it's moving? Like, Jesus, who is this guy? Yeah, he wasn't necessarily friends with him, but that that was was what Cosell was. There he is, the golden boy, reading a newspaper. Yeah, exactly. On his way into Manhattan, the Big Apple. Yeah, exactly. Where dreams are made. Yeah. It's just like how a, will the Giants be this year? He was the original making copies, going <laughs> to the copy machine. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go. I didn't talk to you about the games from yeah. last Sunday. Let's go ahead and mop those up. Patriots, Jaguars, go. Well, uh, I was looking at this. Um, the comp, I think, if, if, for those who may be stubborn enough to say, including John Riggins. <laughs> That uh, oh, El Rigo <laughs> trotted out this week that Brady was yeah not overrated, much like he told us about Ray Lewis in his prime. Uh, but then, but uh, those who are reluctant to say that he's the greatest of all time, I looked at the Joe Montana numbers. Now the drive or the catch, the catch uh, with Dwight Clark, Joe, Dwight Clark, yes, yeah, against that the Cowboys, Cowboys NFC title game, yes, to where Chris Berman made his. Claim yeah, to fame yeah. afterwards with his stand-up getting pushed around by the fans. Although, you have to realize, at the time, that was barely recognized because ESPN was not in that many homes. That was, that was in 1983, 82. I think. 82. January 82. Uh, by the way, uh, listeners, Andy is always quick to correct me, even by a year. Well, I was that working, kind of a guy. I was working in Dallas at okay, the time. Fair so enough. I 82. 82. So, they... they and, and ESPN started in 79? 79. Yeah, they All didn't right, really so become mainstream. four years mainstream. in, they didn't have a lot of penetration. No. My house didn't have ESPN in 83. A lot either. of People, they really became mainstream when they picked up the NFL in '87. But okay. anyway, um, so that was in '82. In 1990, the '90 season, 
He got the 49ers to the NFC Championship game, and Leonard Marshall knocked him out of the game, and he really didn't play for two full years. So it was pretty much done. So you go 82 to 90. That's nine seasons, roughly, right? Right. Tom Brady, we just talked about it. Has doubled it. Well, look look what he did. It was 2002, January 2002, when he had led them to the game-winning Vinatieri field goal. And here we are in 2018. Yeah, Think about that. That's, Think it, about that. That's amazing. Yeah. And yet, anyone, well, I guess, did Rigo have an elaborate, like, scaffolding for this take? Well, his, his, his point was, or, you know, the defense did it, and last year in the Super Bowl, it was the defense that inspired oh, the comeback. Oh, Rigo, and, Rigo, and, Rigo. You know, okay. So, uh, Do you what, remember the time Rigo, when he was doing his weekly segment with us, actually was serious about fielding a team of all defense? Oh, he's still pushing that. <laughs> He's 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 for those he's that, that out of mothballs. For those that don't know, John Riggins once was trying to sell us seriously, Andy and I, in our yeah. show, that a team should actually have a fifty-three man roster of nothing but defense. Right. And you punt on first down every time you get it, and you just beat the shit out of the other team. Right. And that basically you would demolish other teams. Right. That's because a guy they who played physically, yep. they physically couldn't handle yeah. two sets of defenses leaning on them all game long, and you'd get fumbles, and you would get sack strips, and you'd get picks. Right, right. And so that, that to me, and I also saw some numbers too that if you took the first half of Tom Brady's career, yeah, and you took the second half of Tom Brady's career, those two guys would both make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Think about that. That's great. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Brady 1 and Brady 2. Yeah. Either one, and we've really seen no drop-off. Now, you know, here's a, here's a possibility that's been thrown around. Brady retires, right? When? After this game. Because supposedly Giselle, Giselle is all oh, over him to quit. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, you know, he'll think the walk in the sunset is, is the way to go. Oh, and he, can't, he cannot quit after this, even if he wins. The Patriots traded Garoppolo. Because yeah. he said, I'm playing five more years. His boy, Alex Guerrero, has got a lot tied into this TB12 method and the franchises and everything else. He I can't agree. quit. I agree. But let's just say he does. Kirk, let's see. Kirk oh, is all about winning. Here we all go. All about winning. I'll sign up with Belichick for whatever they want to pay. They want to pay me $8 go. million dollars a year, I'm in. I got enough <laughs> money. I drive used cars. I got my grandparents' conversion van. Were you- were you shopping at the same discount take store as John Riggins for <laughs> no, that one? I just threw it don't out. Don't buy those discount takes. I don't takes. think that. I, I agree with you. He's not okay. going to retire. Uh, by the way, forget when Brady retires. How's it going to end, do you think, for him? It'll end badly. Badly? Oh, yeah. Suddenly badly? Like a really bad hit that breaks something really hard? Yeah. An arm, a leg, a femur, a knee that gets twisted to oblivion? It, it'll, it'll just be something, and I, I think... You know, some of these guys, uh, like um, uh, Kenny Stabler, he retired in the middle of a season. I could see that happening with him. That wow. there's such a big because once you get to that age, it doesn't mid-season retirement for a quarterback. You don't you don't see a gradual drop off. You often see him go a off cliff. a cliff. Yeah, yeah. well, so that can happen. That's what people are saying. So there's that game, and then there's the uh, Eagle Viking game. Let me, let me look. The, all these people, this was great, because how many weeks are we were hearing this? Three or four weeks. Well, you know, maybe you can win with a Case Keenum. Maybe Case Keenum's <laughs> going to be the guy who can, you know, you don't have to have one of those friends. If you ride Case Keenum long enough, he's going to have gonna a You're going to find block. out exactly who he is. Yeah, and, what, and they, the Vikings, I thought, until he threw that pick six, were on their way to establishing something where they could win that game. And it seemed to me that that pick six flipped everything. It was it was seven nothing right yep. and that made it seven seven. Yep. Then Blunt ran over a dude, ran over Sendejo, right. just bulldozed him right. for a fourteen seven. Then Foles somehow stayed upright and hit Alshon Jeffrey on a double move twenty one seven. End of game. Yeah. Okay, so so here's something that <laughs> I wonder what you think about this. Is it in any way justified to root for the Eagles as a Redskin fan lightly? Under the premise of NFC East loyalty and or supremacy. Yeah, I don't buy that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. Sort of like conferences in college football. Yeah. You're like, I'm sticking up for the Big Ten. I'm rooting for them. I'm sticking up for the SEC. Well, I remember Kevin Sheehan uh, several years ago saying with Maryland out of the tournament that he was rooting for Duke. 
And oh my God! He, yeah, that, that, Sheehan. Yeah, ACC. Turtle one. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, he said it. Does he still feel that way? I don't know. Okay. They're not in the same conference anymore. But I, I, that's that was his position. I have a little bit of a, a, a local rooting interest because the Eagles, the Eagles, Eagles have a special teamer and a wide oh, yeah. receiver. Caught a, caught a touchdown against us this yeah. year. Yeah, Mac Collins. Mac Collins, very good. From he's from Wooten High School. Wooten in the house. Andy's kids went to Wooten High. What's well, up? Well, not only that, his his older brother, Mac's older brother, his name is Brian. He's a couple years older mm-hmm. and was very good friends with my son Jeremy. They played all kinds of sports together. They played soccer and they played basketball. They played on the uh, Wooten team. Brian was a big starter. Jeremy watched. But anyway, they were on the same team. And uh, and I had heard about Brian's younger brother. Oh, Brian's a good athlete, but boy, his brother Mac is really fast. Okay, really fast for Montgomery County means you're a really fast accountant someday or a right. really fast doctor. Well, he's an NFL player. And so he finished his senior year. Now his father, this is another interesting angle to this, his father, Richard Hollins, was Jeff Hostetler's roommate and top receiver at the University of West Virginia. Really? He was drafted in the late rounds by the Detroit Lions, hurt his knee, and and never played in the NFL. But Hostetler and what we've got going on with with the Eagles is a very similar circumstance in that the Hostetler later on led the Giants to the Super Bowl, and now you've got Nick Foles in in that situation. But but so you will so will you lightly root for the Eagles? Well, you know, seeing Matt Collins is is really pretty cool, and he and his brother look exactly alike. There's three brothers; they all look like triplets, and uh, and so it was. It's really cool to see uh, that. And you know, he went to a prep school after Wooten because nobody was knocking on his door. He got enough notice that he was a preferred walk-on at North Carolina. He winds up getting drafted in the fourth round. Yeah, and he got past the Redskins secondary early in the season yeah. and got a touchdown and then did the bicycle kid dance, which mm. was pretty funny. Mm. Here's something that I have not heard anyone else talk about, which doesn't mean they haven't, but it's something that I was like, wow, is that true? You know if the Eagles win, we'll have the first division to complete the set. No other current division in the NFL really? has Lombardis in all four cities. Look at the list. In the AFC East, Buffalo does not have a Super Bowl title. Right. In the AFC North, Cincinnati and Cleveland don't have them. Mm-hmm. In the South, three of the four, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, don't have them. Indianapolis does. Two of those are newer teams. but okay. I know. AFC West, the Chargers don't have yeah. a Super Bowl. In the NFC, the Eagles are the one here. In the NFC North, Vikings and Lions don't have one. In the NFC South, Carolina does not have one. And the NFC West, Arizona does not have one. So you want to root for Philly based on, hey, let's be the first division to say we are the division of champions. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. I hadn't I hadn't really considered that. Of course, now I never heard this before, and I was like, "How come nobody's playing this?" Well, I mean, they probably will at some point. In the '80s, you had Giants, Cowboys, or '80s into early '90s, I guess it was like that that ten year period from like '85. Giants, Redskins, and then the Cowboys. Yeah, Yeah, there was a span there where our division won a lot of times. Yeah, it was like, and there and there was a, a period of time for like. I don't know, five or six years when at least one team from the division was was knocking on the Super Bowl door. Yeah. A couple things real quick. Did you see where Jay Gruden was asked about, has he talked to Kirk? And he quipped, well, I'll let you hear the bite right now. I have not talked to him. He's on a little vacation probably. You know, get a little sunshine. I don't know. He needs a tan. He's a little white-skinned guy. (laughs) Do you really want him joking about, yeah, he's pasty white and he's on vacation somewhere? See, this is what I hate about Jay Gruden. He feels the need mm-hmm. to, he can't just play it straight. Well, you know, he's kind of pasty white. He's probably getting a tan somewhere, you know. Like, I don't want my coach that way. Not after seven and nine. Be a little more serious. Just say, no, I haven't talked to Kirk, obviously. You know, this is his time, like a lot of players, to be with their family and whatnot. But we'll talk to him when the time's appropriate. Why can't Jay just do that, Andy? Consider this. If he had not gotten that extension in the off season. Redskins would have been pretty comfortable firing him at 7-9, and nine, right? Probably, okay. yeah. And ESPN is looking for a new analyst now that they John... They could have gone Gruden to Gruden? Yeah! yeah but, but Jay is not nearly as telegenic as his brother. But he's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, they're going to hire Peyton Manning. Probably. Probably. probably or Matt Hasselbeck. Matt Hasselbeck. I even saw Joe Thomas's name. Is, is yeah, being I saw that. Isn't he going to play next year, Joe Thomas? I would think, but, okay. you know, he he, uh, he, he, he played 10,000. That's a good way to do it. Play 10,000 snaps yeah. and go out. So, 
you don't what do you feel about our football coach having to be the the cutesiest quippiest guy in the world all the time i think that's his personality and from what i understand they have dialed it back from his rookie year really when he was even worse and you know took took those shots at robert griffin and uh, i don't need my coach to be johnny hard i agree but not everything is a joke and you know what if you're gonna make a joke it better be fucking funny <laughs> seriously like that's that wasn't even a funny joke like yeah. oh yeah he's pale and white he's got to get a tan yeah how about you just say no we haven't talked to kirk you, no you know what it, you know what smacks of glanville and if you look at the records, they're pretty similar. Oh, boy. Glanville, you know, Glanville was all, oh, I got to leave in tickets for Elvis. I got my big belt buckle here. I'm all dressed in black. Well, maybe Jay could become a hat act, as they say in country music. <laughs> yeah, start wearing right. a giant cowboy yeah, but, but, but seriously, what's what's the difference? If you, I bet you look at Glanville's record, it's better. Last coach to wear a cowboy hat on the sidelines of the NFL, Bum Phillips or Jerry Glanville? Well, Glanville coached later. Uh, I think Bum's last year was like, 89 or something like that. If if a coach today wanted to wear a cowboy hat on the sideline, would the league even let him? It'd have to be logoed up. <laughs> have to be available in yeah. the NFLshop.com yeah. catalog. Yeah. All right, and real quick, today, and we're missing it right now, but at this very moment, one Vincent McMahon is announcing his new football league. I presume it's a little bit clouded and a bit of mystery. I'll find out as soon as we get out of the, the car. it's the XFL. I think it's a comeback for the XFL. XFL 2? Yeah. So, what do you think, Andy? You've well, been around long enough to see leagues come, leagues go. Doesn't have a chance. Well, I, I think this is, his position is going to be, it's funny we talked about Bob Costas before. Remember the Vincent McMahon, Bob Costas face-off? Yeah. And during the oh, uh, yeah, 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 XFL yeah. when he was trying to keep it propped up. I think he's going to go the opposite way of where everybody's talking about concussions. And he goes, hey, they're sissifying the NFL. All we, hits legal. All hits legal. No concussion protocol. Exactly. Stand for the flag. Yeah. Yep. Be even more militaristic. Exactly. All, everything that you hate about the NFL, we're going to do in the XFL. And What if he installs a fake Roger Goodell as the fake commissioner of the new XFL who gets goofed on by announcers all the time. I, I think that's... and, and I Part think, wrestling, part football. I got one for you now. Uh, have, have you considered this? No replay. Be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> got you. I love it. It got you in the door, didn't it? It would be fantastic. No replay. It's like, all right, we fucked some shit up. Calls are wrong. Yep. Keep playing. Yeah, that's right. Well, some of the things that he did have become in the NFL, you know, like cable cam, yeah, all, uh, that. all the access yeah, stuff. There's yeah. a lot he could do. Well, we'll see what it is, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Hey, I, I wanted to offer you a chance here to play the, uh, the, the mini show within the show called Fuck That Guy, <laughs> because I know you're a guy that every now and then has had it with certain people. Would you like to wind up with a FTG for somebody? Anybody in sports or wow. life or beyond. I hadn't really considered just that. Just a guy, you're like, you don't want him to die or anything, but you're just like, fuck that guy. Enough. Because well, I'm, I'm fuck that guy at Costas. Him, oh, no. I, I've lost the feeling for football. So that's my FTG of the week. Do you have no, one? No, I, I don't want to do that with Costas. Oh, okay. I, I got one. Because because I think he go, goes off on these things, and maybe sometimes he has information with the NBA, but I think often he does not. Stephen A. Smith. So, yes. So we have, we now have, first of all, this, in all my years of watching sports, and I just celebrated 40 years on the radio. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I've You're never not on the radio now. Well, yeah, you well, are on the radio. Occasionally. Not often enough, but okay. I'm on. Uh we have never seen in my life, in my lifetime watching sports, where you've heard about a players-only meeting. Where that they went poorly. They, not, they always come out of it. And say, we cleared the air. We, we got a lot of things off our chest. It's all good. The Wizards had one. It was it not only went poorly, things, they came out of it worse than when they went in. And then they talked about it, which is yeah. the dumbest thing yeah. ever. Keep it to yourself, yeah. you idiots. So, so then that led to J.J. Barea. Boy, when you get kicked in the shins by a midget, that makes it even worse. <laughs> says, nobody likes John Wall. And then here comes screaming A, you know, hey, that's what that, the word is out. You know, nobody likes these guys, this and the other. How do you know? I mean, just it's your old thing, facts versus volume. Just because he says it loud doesn't mean it's so. So to Stephen A. Smith, fuck that guy. Well, Stop making stuff when up. When I see a microphone, I, I, I know. You don't want to say word. that. I hear you. F, you can say F that guy. Yeah, okay. F do you know what guy. Stephen A. Smith reported? He didn't report. He said on first take, he's like, here's what's happened. Dan Gilbert wants to sell the Cleveland Cavaliers. He said that. 
and no one at ESPN ran with it. None of their other news outlets, .com didn't run with it. They didn't tweet it out because I think they all realized he's talking out his ass. Yeah. No one is saying Dan Gilbert wants to sell the Cavaliers. Like, that would be big news. Do you know what's going to happen in the NBA? Have you heard this latest story about gambling? Oh, yeah. About, yeah, the 1% rate. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Where's my taste? And they're going to get it. Don't you think they're going to get it? I don't know, Andy. There's oh, a lot. Oh, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of hoops they got to jump through, and where are they going to get it from, and how, and everything else. Uh, That's a yeah. Listen, there's they, more money coming in, and last time I checked, those rosters only have 12 to 15 guys on them. All right. Well, you bet the NBA once it's legal. Uh, yeah, I, I, once in a really? while. Really? Yeah, once in a while. What's I, the most you would put on a Grizzlies Pelicans game on a Tuesday night? Ten bucks. <laughs> but you're in. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've, I've been on a couple of those trips with you. I enjoyed myself. You, yeah, you 16. don't mind throwing a few in yeah, there. Not, okay. not, not too, oh, did you want to talk about the, uh, we talked, we were going to talk about Howard Cosell and the halftime highlights. Remember? Cause you, oh God. Yes. Cause I was, I was yearning for NFL primetime with yeah. Berman and Jackson. I love the reboot of it. You have no use for Berman. No. I Berman on that show didn't bother me. Yeah. It's the rest of Berman that would wear me out. Yeah. Uh, but I love that show. And the, predecessor to loving that show was of course halftime highlights with Howard but, well here's which were the stuff of legend when I was a kid that's the only way you could see anything else in the league yeah because they didn't show highlights well here's here's the thing until 1973 there were no home games shown anywhere wow and so if you were a Redskin fan and wanted to watch a game at RFK you either had to be there or drive you, to Pennsylvania yeah you could drive to Pennsylvania but you'd have to get into a, like you couldn't just walk into somebody's house and say hey I'd like to watch the Redskin game <laughs> it often meant you had to rent a hotel room or you had to go to a bar there or right. whatever it was and uh, and so you know most people didn't do that was it 100 miles uh, it's 50 miles I think 50 okay 50 miles so Hagerstown might have worked but whatever it was um, you you would not see any anything from the game until halftime of the next day and there was always this feeling Howard hates the Redskins and yeah, he's not going to show the Redskins so that that was in in all you know all the discussion and he I don't right think because he, even though it was a meaty five minutes of highlights yeah. which is pretty meaty they couldn't get every game or every team in no and I remember seeing in fact I've got this soundbite somewhere of uh, Frank Gifford on camera in a documentary saying yeah, they would tell people, they would tell fans that Howard picks the highlights, even yeah. though he didn't, right? Because they wanted people to hate Howard. Yeah, yeah and he, they loved that. He was a genius at it. Before Monday Night Football, he'd go in there with his stopwatch and his cigar, and he'd have a, a sheet of, of highlights, and he'd just rip through them. And and he was, you know, it was iconic. Look it, at Chuck Muncie, yeah. the fortitude of that running well, back. Well, he, here's here's what he would do to to make you believe he was friends with all the players. Let's say there was a guy uh, who was named Chuck Freddy. and Charlie. Oh yeah, he or, would use those uh, affectionate derivations. Yeah, of their well, names. no. For, like for example, the, the Patriots had a receiver by the name of Stanley Morgan. Everybody called Stanley Morgan Stanley Morgan. When Howard would do the highlights, he goes, "There's Stan Morgan, Stan <laughs> Morgan, wide receiver, New England Patriots, number eighty-four. You know, and that's that's made you believe that, that he, he had the inside track and what he really liked to be called, yeah, unlike what yeah, fans thought. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Andy. Uh, Andy Poland one on Twitter at Andy Poland one. Andy Poland's DC podcast, wherever podcasts are downloaded and accessed. Also, Andy can be heard on WJFK one zero six seven. Uh, in D.C. on an irregular basis, but every Sunday with our good friend Tom Lavero. Saturday. Saturday, excuse me. Saturday mornings, Tom Lavero, 9 to noon. noon. Yes. Okay, very good. Andy, uh, burrito? Chimichanga? Uh, I'll sit with you. Chips and salsa? I eat, but I'll sit with you. Quesadilla? This store here has all that stuff. Yeah. All the Mexican-American wonders of... Of carbohydrates. Do you remember when... uh, Meats and cheeses. Do you remember the first time we were in here? No. (laughs) We were in here and the manager was, oh, how do you like it? He he liked it? I said... Yeah, and you're like, it's like Chipotle, but closer. Exactly. And I'm like, and I I walk out and I go, you dick, don't say that. Like, that's an insult. Chipotle is their competitor. You're supposed to say it's better than that. But the guy said, oh, we are nothing like Chipotle. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you got, a, you got a tortilla, you put rice and beans and meat. <laughs> Seems to me it's the same thing, but maybe not. <laughs> All right, Andy, we'll see you next week. Let's end with this today. They call economics the so-called dismal science. Catchers in baseball 
have been to- have been said to wear the so-called tools of ignorance over the years, and that they have to gear up in shin pads, chest protectors, and just get bruised and bloodied behind the plate in one of the most thankless positions in sports. And I think the phrase was coined because, you know, if you were smart, you wouldn't want to play catcher. You'd find a way to get out of it. I don't know if they've got a term for accounting, whether it's the dismal science of the tools of ignorance or perhaps the, the shackles of numbers. But accountants, and certainly tax accountants, are a rare breed in that they can deal with a mind-numbing level of complexity and still relish doing so on a daily basis. Or if not relish dealing with a mind-numbing amount of complexity regarding tax laws, they do it because the money is pretty good and they can set their own schedule, except they do get crushed around tax time in the spring. And maybe they just like it. They like the nuance of unraveling all the tax laws that exist in America. This story is amazing. Jimmy Garoppolo will make more money for the Super Bowl than Tom Brady. Win, lose, or draw. It's a done deal. It's set in stone. Garoppolo, even though he's no longer a Patriot, will get his allotted share of the Super Bowl, which is $112,000 if the Patriots win, $56,000 if they lose. So he gets the same as Brady? Well, why are you saying he's going to make more? Oh, he's going to make more because of tax differences. I will read to you from this story from the MMQB on SI.com. Michael McCann, who's outstanding at sports law, and Robert Riola co-authored this piece. Garoppolo will not be traveling to Minnesota and thus will not be subject to the Minnesota state income tax of 9.85%. Minnesota law dictates that in the case of individuals who are non-residents, salaried employees of pro sports teams, his income tax in Minnesota is subject to his taking his total compensation from the team in the year and multiplying that by a fraction of which the numerator is the total number of, quote, duty days in Minnesota. Duty! And the denominator is the total number of duty days worked in that year. In other words, each day Brady spends in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl will increase his tax bill to Minnesota. Not true for Garoppolo. Well, that was kind of confusing. No wonder why you said it was boring. Oh, it gets better. Garoppolo will also have no duty days in Minnesota because he's not going to be there for the Super Bowl unless he's there to watch as a fan, which still wouldn't count because he's not earning his money by being there as a fan. The tax on Garoppolo would be based on a state of residency. Oh, okay, well, he lives in California. Heck, he should be paying more taxes, right? Isn't California one of the highest tax states? Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corsa would say. Even though Garoppolo spent the last two months of the season with the Niners, he's presumably, according to tax law, not a resident yet of California. California law requires a person to have continuous physical presence in the state before he or she would be eligible to become a resident. The law is clear that a person present in California only for a temporary or transitionary purpose is not a resident. Even if Garoppolo later becomes one, his income from Super Bowl 52, for which he will not play nor even stand on the sideline and, wear, and, and hold a clipboard and wear a baseball cap, that his income from the game will not be taxable in California since he will most likely have earned it during a period while he was a non-resident. So who does get Garoppolo's tax cheese? Illinois, they say, most likely. He was born there, raised there, played high school football and college football. Or if not Illinois, he would be taxed according to Massachusetts state taxes. But because he was not there, he won't pay the Minnesota chunk, just the Massachusetts chunk. Percentages, cuts, exceptions, clauses. Further complicating it is the fact there's a new, you know, the new tax law signed uh, by President Trump is going to greatly change who itemizes deductions and who takes standard deductions. And athletes with high amounts of money to write off usually itemized, now they might just do the standard deduction. That will change everything as well. Which reminds me, holy crap, my taxes are due soon. What's the what's the date this year? April 15th again? Damn, it's January 26th. I better get cracking.
Thanks for listening, everybody. Tell two friends. You can subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, and all the other places you get your podcasts. Really appreciate your ears on these little jaunts. And email me anytime with feedback, encouragement, or helpful hints, or just to correct me on something where I might be wrong, because I'm wrong as much as anybody. Zabe at Yahoo.com. Tweet me at Zabe as well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Pro Bowl, which I know you will. And we will see you Monday.